ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hard to Paint with David Grubb. And we're going to start our week off with one of my favorite guests, my good friend, Chessa Boucher, who works with NBC 33 and Fox 44 in Baton Rouge. A busy weekend, Chessa. Um, we're going to get to LSU in a moment, but I want to get your instant reaction to the Saints pulling off um, the stunner coming back from 2610 to beat the Falcons 27-26 to 26 on Sunday and tie the all-time series at that between the two franchises, 53 games each. It, it, it was an incredible game. Yeah, absolutely. And going into that game, the Saints were like five-and-a-half-point favorite. I feel like maybe they went in there a little too cocky. They are a little too confident and kind of like they're not going to be, you know, a tough challenge for us. And I think they got just absolutely punched in the mouth kind of woke up there in the second half and in the fourth quarter, it was like a different team to put together those drives that Jameis did and big plays by Jarvis Landry when you needed them. And then Michael Thomas looking like the Michael Thomas as of, you know, the past two before the past two years of him sitting out. So man, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I did not think they were going to pull it off. Like I was, pacing up and down the hallway here at work and I was like they're not gonna do this like y'all are playing with my emotions this is too much it's not gonna happen and then Will Lutz kicks the field goal and then gets a blocked field goal and you're just like but should we really be surprised though with the Saints and Falcons like it's kind of what they do it's it's definitely what the Falcons do um the fourth quarter has not been kind to the Falcons over the last couple years they've had some double digit leads that they've blown um and the Saints in this series, uh, 23 and, and 10 in the last 33 games against the Falcons, they've run this series as of late. It's just funny that the way these things happen with the Saints and the Falcons, it's always something goofy. There are always plays that you just you've never seen before, like the Mark Ingram fumble. Um, there were some officials calls that you were like that holding on the end. You're like, that was one that was pulled out of. Yeah. Supporifice. Yeah. But yeah. it's just. But when you're in Atlanta, you expect to get stuff like that. But the thing I, I think I was most excited, though, was to watch Jameis Winston in that fourth quarter. And he had three incompletions total, and two of them were spikes. And, I mean, he had perfect quarterback rating. He made some unbelievable throws. There were also some great catches to assist him. Like you said, Jarvis Landry on the sidelines, that one catch that he made to set up the last touch, the last field goal, just ridiculous. And – uh, but Jameis, I mean, you know, he came in with all this weight, all this burden of being the guy to replace Drew Brees. And what we've seen is you gave him an offseason where it got to be his offense. He didn't have to worry about Taysom Hill as, as, you know, breathing down his neck. It was Jameis Winston, and he built a relationship with those receivers in the fourth quarter. They just let him go, and he was hurting. But uh, he led some spectacular drives and, and showed you that, that that arm is still just fine. Yeah, and you really touched on it. I feel like he just commanded this offense, that he wasn't second-guessing himself. He was comfortable. He was making the right reads, making the right throws. Yes, he had a little help with Jarvis and with Michael Thomas, but to see him really just take over the ball game like that, I don't remember watching a game where he's really been that guy. There's been glimpses, and there's been great throws and great plays, 
but not to put back-to-back drives like that. And so I think that kind of shows you that he's completely back. Like you said, he was a little banged up there. Hopefully it's nothing serious, but I think he's more than capable. You said it best. Coming into this season, everybody was kind of like, what is he really going to be? What is he really going to do? I think before he got hurt, before he was – had a little bit of flash of what he used to be, but I feel like Sean Payton really reined it in and was like, you're going to do what I want you to do. And I think that was valuable for him. I think you learn under somebody like Sean Payton and learn from somebody like a Drew Brees. You can only grow from that. And so to see his growth and his progression and what he was able to do today, it, it, the future looks bright with Jameis back there. They got to get that offensive line straight down. Yeah, that's that's that. I think that was the area most people were concerned with before the season began, and it still looks like Andrews, Pete, and Caesar Ruiz, and even James Hurst. They all look like they have some work to do because Saints couldn't get any semblance of a running game that wasn't Taysom Hill going, and but their, their pass blocking for the first three quarters was just awful. Yeah, it wasn't great. But again, this is the first game, so I mean, the first game it shows you a little bit, but it doesn't show you. A full picture. So I think they'll clean some things up. I think, of course, there's room for improvement in all aspects, but especially the O-line, because we want to make sure that Jameis stays healthy, because we ain't trying to pull another Taysom coming back, being the QB wannabe one. Like, no, let's keep him at tight end. I'm okay with what y'all did today and had him back there and doing the runs that he did, but I do not need him throwing the ball. I don't need him back there. So I think the O-line will get it together. I think it'll be a lot better in the coming weeks. That's a perfect transition to move into LSU because LSU in week one, I don't think we got to see a full picture of LSU because that, that was a game where Florida state came in, having had a week of preparedness, having played already LSU comes in cold. Then you take on an FCS team in in week two in Southern though, just about the only thing LSU didn't do was cover because the game was 48 and a half and they could, they finished with a 48 point win. That's about the only thing they didn't do. You still don't have a complete picture of this team yet. But again, I think the thing you look at is through two weeks, Jaden Daniels has been remarkably consistent. He's looked poised in both starts. He's looked competent. The adjustment that I think that you, that we look at um, that was made from week one to week two and getting Kayshawn Bouti the ball early and often and putting it as forcing it to him if it was necessary just to let him touch it. And then to see, yes, the physicality, there's no match between Southern LSU. There's no chance for that to be close. But LSU played with aggression, which is something they did not do coming out of the gate against Florida State. I was absolutely stunned when LSU came out and played the way they did against Florida State. And I say that because we've had more um, availability, more, you know, eyes on this team in spring ball and in fall camp that I was like, I really had high expectations. And I was like, they look great. Everything, you know, they're going to come out. They're going to smash Florida State. And the way they came out, but it was a lot of the O-line looked terrible. The play calling for Mike Denbrock was even worse. And Jaden was not comfortable, which I don't blame him. He had every right to tuck and run because he had no time in the pocket. But I think in week one and what we saw from that game was the adjustments in the fourth quarter, a lot like the Saints. 
Uh, Jane Daniels looked way more comfortable. He was making his reads, making the right throws, and to be able to march down the field. I didn't, again, I had no faith in LSU after seeing what we saw in the first half. I was like, they're not about to come down and like win this. There's no way, which obviously they did. They didn't because of the blocked PAT, but still it's one of those things of, I think the progression from week one to week two is the biggest jump because you, you get out there, you get the rust off, you figure out what you're good at where you're struggling, you make those adjustments. Coming in against Southern, we knew that this game was not going to be a big-time matchup. It was exciting for the city, and I'll tell you, the fan base and the crowd, I have not seen it like that since I think Florida came here in 2019. Like, that was the atmosphere, and I was just – it was amazing last night. But what I saw from Jane Daniels against Southern was impressive. He looked comfortable. He looked every bit the part. And I'll be real honest, this spring, I was not impressed with him. I know that he was new here. He was trying to figure out the offense. Fall camp, I wasn't very impressed with him. He wasn't great with the short passes. He wasn't super accurate. He was kind of, you could tell he was second guessing. So it's one of those things of, I was like, he can run the ball, but can he really get it there? I think he kind of showed what he was able to do last night going, you know, 10 for 11 for over 100, I think it was 126 total yards. And he didn't have to do a whole lot. LSU puts up 37 points, sets the school record. It was what LSU needed. I don't think Southern really gained a whole lot from that game, but I think LSU truly needed that, especially knowing that they're going to start SEC play against Mississippi State this Saturday. I have to give it to Brian Kelly because one of the biggest criticisms that has gone with Brian Kelly is that he's quick to throw his team under the bus. And there were people who had that impression after week one who felt that at halftime he kind of did – and maybe some things. And I think we're apt to read into things because of past behavior. But what was indicative to me is he talked a lot about, hey, I, I was at fault week one. I put too much on these guys. I had them thinking rather than playing football. And I just let them play football in week two. I think it was some to me, that was something that I didn't expect him to say and to, and to really be fo- focused on what he could do better. Um, and he talked his team up a lot uh, and individual players um, in particular, he spoke up for his guys and, and talked about who gained from week one to week two. And I thought that was that was something good to see out of Coach Kelly. Yeah, it was almost like I think when he went back and watched the film, it was like putting a mirror in his face. And he was like, man, I really dropped the ball on that because that was his debut. And I'm sure there was a ton of pressure. The way this coaching staff is, they are going to communicate. They are going to be prepared. And I think that like he kind of said, they were almost overly prepared where you put too much on these guys. Again, you're asking 18, 19, 20-year-old guys to do a whole lot in a new system under a new staff. It's a lot. And so I think they reevaluated. I think they made some really good adjustments. I think their adjustment on the O-line was big with Garrett Dellinger not being center. I don't think that's where he needs to be. And I think that we saw a huge improvement. Granted, yes, it was against Southern, but still – I didn't see a ton of, um, you know, bad snaps, bad anything between the O-line and the quarterback. And so I think that speaks volumes. And I think that was a lot of the problem is just they didn't have a ton of protection and it was just miscommunication on all aspects. And so I think, you know, Brian Kelly, he was absolutely right. And he said it like, hey, it was my fault. You know, these guys are here. They want to play for us and buy in. And, you know, we have to lead them in the right direction. And I think Brian Kelly is, at a place in his in his coaching career that he can take the blame, that he's not this, hey, I'm winning, I'm doing this, but he can say, like, hey, you're right, that was my bad, I'm human, 
we're going to get it fixed. And I think he's the right guy. And I think he's going to be successful here this year. I think it's going to be a little tough, uh, especially with the new AP poll out and all the SEC teams except for State and LSU being in there. So um, aside from that, but yeah, I think I think it was a good week two game that really kind of shored things up for LSU. You just want to do the things you're supposed to do. You want to walk out healthy, which LSU did. You yeah. want to execute with your first team, which they did. And it was also important for them to get deep into the roster because they have so many transfers. They have so many guys who have not played before. And I think we saw the last couple of years with Coach O and even going back to Les Miles, there wasn't a lot of young player development. You didn't see those third-tier guys get opportunities to play, even when LSU was blowing people out. Brian Kelly made the conscious effort really early to sit those first teamers down and let the, the reserves get their uh, get their reps. Oh, absolutely. And I think um, I know a lot of the fan base kind of had a knee jerk reaction after they lost to Florida State. They're like, oh, my God, is he really the right one? But you have to take into account Brian Kelly came to Baton Rouge and they only had 39 scholarship players. He went and got I think it's like 20 or 22 transfers. So these are guys who have not had a full year here. They've had some spring, some weren't even here for spring. So you expect them to come in for the summertime and then have fall camp, which is like, what, two and a half, three weeks, and then be a full team and have that chemistry and have like, no, you got to give it time. And I think that's the thing with a lot of fan bases. They want it right then and there, but that's not reality. You can't ask these young guys who haven't played together, even these transfers who have experience, but they don't know this guy very well. And so it's, it's kind of an evolution. I think the transition, it's going to get there. But again, it's all going to take time and people have to be patient. The goal is to win within the first three to four years. That's yeah. that's by the time he has cycled a full recruiting class in, yeah. expect to have won at least one national championship. That's the way it was for Nick Saban. That's the way it was for Les. That's the way it was for O. You cycle in those guys. Same thing, you go to Georgia and Kirby Smart. It took him to get a full group together for that team yeah. to get to where it needed to be. So, I, I, yeah, I don't expect it to be overnight. I think the main thing is you, you the, the pro things that we think are problems with LSU won't be, we won't have a better answer till this week with, with Mississippi State. Is yeah. the offensive line really better? Are they yeah. more cohesive as a unit? And defensively, can LSU tackle? Because I think there's still some questions there about that. Because even against Southern, there were times where they missed some tackles. Yeah, but also I think I, I wouldn't classify Southern as the usual FCS school. I think Southern, especially with Eric Dooley, who, by the way, is one of my all-time favorite coaches. I got to cover him a little bit at SWAC, at the SWAC Media Day and just his demeanor. And he talks about how he wants to play basketball on turf. They want to go, they want to run and gun, and they want to play fast. And I think offensively they're super strong and they are going to put up a lot of points in the SWAC. But I think when LSU's defense is facing that type of offense, granted it's not the SEC, but it's going to be similar of what we see from a Mike Leach where they're going to throw it all over the yard. So I think, yeah, there's, they've struggled with tackling, but I think again, if you're not tackling day in and day out, which they're not, especially in fall camp, because you want to be healthy, and it's going to take a, a few weeks to kind of get back to that same hitting somebody because it doesn't come natural. You have to do it day in and day out. And I think it'll come and I think it'll be better. Let's transition to the Mississippi State game. Obviously, uh, Mississippi State has gotten some votes. People are, are OK with them. They've outscored opponents. Uh, what is it? 88 to 40 over the first two weeks. So 
Offensively, this the same kind of approach that you get out of Mike, Mike Leach, 385 passing yards per game. Will um, Will's Rogers looking very good uh, as he as most quarterbacks do under this system. Uh, this will be a test. LSU's going to have to be disciplined up front. You, they're not going to be able to blitz a lot. They're going to have to be disciplined with their coverage. Uh, and like we said, make tackles early um, and not allow a lot of yards after the catch, which has been an issue sometimes with them against Mississippi State in the past. And then offensively, can they put together drives and not get into a shootout? Because I don't think this is LSU team is ready to play in a shootout with Mississippi State. No, and as we saw last year there in Starkville, LSU barely, like basically State ran out of time or that would have been their ball game. It was a shootout. I shot the entire game. I was sweating. It was hot. It was crazy. But yeah, I agree with you. I think having Allie Gay back, I think hopefully B.J. Ojolari is going to be back. I think once you have the that front four, even though Mason Smith is not going to be there this season, but I think when you get those guys back, you're going to see a different defensive line. I think, I think they'll be able to contain it. But it's one of Mike Leach is going to throw it all over the uh, all over the yard. If you can kind of contain it, and I think it was last year, I think it was the state game where uh, Mike Leach put up like ninety something plays or something just ridiculous mm-hmm. that it was like, come on, but. With what we've seen with Matt House so far, I think he kind of has it um, under control. And I don't really – I think these the, – the cornerbacks are really going to be tested, and I think it's going to show kind of what this unit really is all about. I'm excited for this game because I do think it is – you know, obviously it's the first SEC game of this of Brian Kelly's career, the first one of the season. Um, and I think these are team. this is a team that you want to dip your toe into the waters with if you're LSU. Like you say, you're, you're not going up – and starting with Georgia, you're not starting with Alabama, you're not starting with Florida, you're starting with Mississippi State, who is not neither really good nor really bad. And I think it's a it's a very good test for LSU. And then I think lot strategically, it kind of lines up. Do you have this, this fast break team that you played in Southern that wanted to throw it 45, 50 times a game? You're going to see that same kind of approach with Mike Leach. So I think it just mindset-wise, LSU's in a good place. And I think the fan base – should like you said, it's be patient. If you get nine this year, great. Just nine would be awesome. If you get ten, even better. But I think this is L- this LSU team. Eight seems you know eight nine seems reasonable looking at them right now. Yeah, I'll be honest. I had them going eight and is it eight and four? Yeah, eight and four, and then with a bowl, it would be eight and five or nine and five. But I had them eight and four, and I put them for their first loss against Auburn. Which Auburn's is always kind of, a game. Yes. And typically whoever is the away team loses. And so it's one of those of I was like, it's their first true road test. So like but then of course they came out of the gate stumbling. So it's like, okay, maybe I'm a little little too too late to the game. But uh yeah, it's one of those things of I think once we kind of get a taste of what to expect from them against Mississippi State, that you can really grasp of where this team is because they're still looking for their identity. You know, obviously they're not going to throw the ball over all over the yard against SEC teams. Can they get a run game really established? John Emery's coming back. So what does he bring to the table? They've been doing the two back system. Is it going to be, you know, a, a, a running back by committee now with all three guys. So I think there's still just a ton of question marks and um, 
I don't know. I was, I'll be real honest. I was excited with uh, Micah Baskerville, who, who's from Shreveport, went to Evangel. I went to Evangel, had Ratchet City on his, uh, <laughs> on his nose. Um, he had a, a stellar game, and he was one that we thought was, you know, potentially going to be a starter at linebacker. And then in the spring, he was with the second team, and you were like, what's going on here? But to have a breakout game against Southern, get the game ball, you know, I think that's positive moving forward. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of positives for LSU right now. Um, it could be much worse. You know, like, I think there are a lot of teams, you look around the country, we've seen the upsets. We've seen what's happened to certain teams. It could be much worse for LSU. This is a transitional period. At the very least, you feel like you've got a decent quarterback, which is always a key. Yeah. And then I think the defense will come around. That's the thing with LSU is, I rarely worry about them having a poor defense. Um, so if they're a good defense and they can play and not turn the ball over, that's always the thing. Then I think they'll be in most games. I mean, you know, that we know they're not elite at certain places, particularly that offensive line. And I think you're still looking for some consistency at the running back position, but you've got enough talent everywhere else to be competitive. And I think that's in year one of any new regime, that's all you can ask for. Oh, absolutely. And I think last year, um, obviously, the offense struggled and was so inconsistent, was just kind of just a, a storm in itself. But I think what Durante Jones did, I mean, obviously, having Damone Clark, who was, had an incredible year, um, really showed kind of what this team could be defensively. And I think Matt House inherited a lot of guys who, you know, have been under this you know, this new regime and they're learning and they're eager and they've got great leadership ahead of them. So I just, I think, like you said, they're super talented, but it's just the question marks of O-line running backs. Can these corners really hold their own in the SEC? And I think linebacker and D-line has shown that they're good. So, you know, is it just going to be that they're going to have a stellar D-line or is it going to be a whole unit in itself that is, you know, the strong suit of this team. That remains to be seen. And that's the best thing about sports is we don't know until yep. the season's over. Every yep. week is a completely different game, a completely different matchup and a completely different outcome. And yep. um, that's why we love this, man. That's yep. why we love it. Yep. You never know. Chessa, it's always my pleasure to get to talk to you. It's been, it's, it's a blast every time we get together. So thank you so much. Tell folks quickly how they can follow you and keep up with you. Absolutely. On social media, it's Chessa Boucher. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's Chessa Boucher Sports. And I typically anchor Saturdays and Sundays on NBC 33 and Fox 44. But if it's game day, I'm out there shooting the game. And during the week, I report. So I'm all over the place. <laughs> that you are. That you all are. the time. <laughs> but this is the this is the time of year when we love to that our our days are so busy. We've been yep. waiting through that slow summer. And yep. now we get to work. Yep all the time. So <laughs> thank you so much, my friend. Um, until the next time, y'all know how to follow me at DM Grubbo on Instagram and Twitter and HITP with DG.com and wherever you get your uh, podcasts and on YouTube as well. Just look for Hard to Paint. I'm David Grubb. She's Chessa Boucher and I'll talk to you soon. Oh,